Hi friends, welcome to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. And the project is for us together to work through the whole of the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Now if you're here for the very first time, why not consider making the study of the Bible part of the rhythm of your daily life? And you can do that by just clicking on the subscribe button to wherever you receive your podcasts from. Today we're beginning a new chapter in this high point of Christian ethical teaching when Jesus gave what many call the Sermon on the Mount and today we're going to begin at chapter 6 where it moves into a new phase where he examines different ways that real righteousness is expressed. So what we'll do now is we'll drop into the main text and pick up where we left off last time but do hang on at the end and I'll update you on a few bits and pieces. Bye for now. You know, when most people think about righteousness, they think about religious people doing religious things, like uh, Mother Teresa in Calcutta helping the poor. However, sometimes when people who themselves aren't religious think about religious people, they're inclined to think that religious people are more likely to be self-righteous than just righteous. And beyond that, many of us, I'm sure, think we know some people who claim to be religious, but actually are just out-and-out hypocrites. And all of that leads me to ask the question over the next couple of days, what is real righteousness? So what's the difference between being really righteous on the one hand and being self-righteous on the other hand. What's the difference between a real virtue and some phony or false attempt to display virtue? This is a subject that needs some explanation because we need to determine if we decide and describe ourselves as Christian. We Christians, we need to determine what real righteousness is so that we might know how to live the type of life that I think we all know in our hearts that God wants us to live. Well, it just so happens that at this point in the Sermon on the Mount, we've reached a point where this is the subject where Jesus is now going to talk about what real righteousness looks like. You've heard me say it before, but this entire main theme of this whole passage, this whole sermon that Jesus delivers, the one that people call the Sermon on the Mount, the whole three chapters are summed up by him in his introduction when he said in chapter 5 verse 20, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no way enter the kingdom of heaven. So what he's going to do next is talk about different kinds of righteousness and he will examine what the Pharisees said about these things and he will compare them with his precept of what real righteousness should really look like. As a matter of fact, the whole of Matthew chapter 5, the one we've just exited, had a number of illustrations where he said something about most of the Ten Commandments and he contrasted those original commandments and the real righteousness that should rise out of them with the righteousness that was being described by the religious leaders and the Pharisees of that time. So you see, this is the whole point of his Sermon on the Mount. So you might say in chapter 5 he was dealing with the main principles, but in chapter 5 he's going to deal with the outworking of those in the practice of what we do. 
Some have gone so far as to suggest that chapter 5 was actually dealing with the righteousness of the scribes and chapter 6 here will deal with the righteousness of the Pharisees. But be that as it may, I'm not sure about that, but be that as it may, Jesus is clearly describing a real righteousness versus a false form of righteousness. So with that in mind, what I'd like to do is for you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 and let's see what he says about the first of those religious practices, the concept of giving. So we're going to read the entire four verses and then we'll come back to them as is our usual pattern and look at them one by one. So in Matthew chapter 6 verse 1, Jesus begins by saying this, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honoured by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Now I mentioned we're going to talk about several religious practices here. The first one, today and tomorrow, is going to be giving. Then after that, we look at praying, which he does rather extensively, so that will take a few more episodes. And then finally we look at the third religious practice Jesus teaches on, and that is the one of fasting. You see, these were the three most prominent religious practices in Judaism at the time of Jesus. And they were considered very important. And now Jesus here is going to take them one by one and use them illustrations of what real righteousness should actually look like versus the phony righteousness, the false righteousness in the way they were being practiced in his day, particularly by the followers of the Pharisees. So what we're going to do today is look at just the first one. We'll do that today and tomorrow. That is what we would perhaps today call charitable giving. So let's revisit the text and remind ourselves of what he said in verse 1, which was, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Obviously, he's now talking about the wrong way to do this sort of thing. In a minute, he'll talk about the right way, but we're going to start by looking at what he says about the wrong way that's what we're going to do because that was Jesus did. And the first thing that we need to know about this wrong way is that, well, right before we even look at that is that Jesus is assuming that they are giving. They're giving in the first place. Now, if I had time, I would pause and talk about the difference between giving and not giving, but that's not the main point of the passage here today. And I'll do that in more detail when we arrive at ones that solely deal with that issue. But what I will say here is that Jesus is assuming in what he says that the audience he is talking to is giving in this way, or at least were considering giving if they could. It was one of their most sacred religious duties. That's certainly what they would have believed. You were expected to give money to poor people at that time. And in the epistles, it is unpacked for us in more detail. Paul talks about giving and giving in the right way to do it. For example... He took an offering, which people had given to him, which he called an offering for the poor saints at Jerusalem. And furthermore, in 1 Corinthians, when he wrote to them, he said this, 
Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I haven't given orders for the church of Galatia, so you must do also on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay aside something stored up as he may prosper. So in 1 Corinthians, Paul's putting a little bit of flesh in the bone here, and he's saying that, yes, you should give regularly and proportionately. Take a portion of what you have and make sure it is given to be set aside to help the poor. And just by the way, Paul in his second letter to Corinthians says this, So let each one of you give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, but God loves a cheerful giver. So Paul in 1 Corinthians is saying you ought to give regularly and proportionally, and in 2 Corinthians he's saying you ought to give cheerfully. Now here is the illustration that Jesus is talking about. He's talking about giving in these circumstances, and he's talking about a real proper attitude towards that of a sort of false righteousness. And he's taking and using the illustration of giving But it's important to know he's already assuming that anyone who's listening to what he said is at least giving or believes in giving if they're able to do so. And what he's saying here is that there are people amongst us who are doing that, but some, perhaps many, are doing it with wrong motivations. He says some give before men. In other words, they give in such a way as to be seen to be giving by other people. And that's the key reason that this was wrong. It is because they're doing it with wrong motives again. It's the motives of the heart again he's dealing with. Their motive in giving was to be seen by people and in a sense to bask in the warmth of the praise of other people. The financial donations were given for the purpose of what we would today call virtue signalling. One commentator explains that during the synagogue services, offerings were indeed taken for the poor, and that the Pharisees in first century Palestine had taken great care to create a way in which other people could see how much they gave. I read one commentary that said there was a a large thing in the synagogue that sort of looked like a big end of a horn, a bit like a horn of one of these old-fashioned record players, and that people would come by and they would give by throwing their coins into the thing, and that it would make a big sound, a big clanging sound on the way it went in, and that way you could let everybody know just how much you were giving. Bing! As they would throw the money in the collection pot. And Jesus says, they're doing this in the synagogues, and that's not how it should be done. In other words, they were doing it in a way where people had a sort of theatrical version of their goodness on display so that they could appear good, get the approval and admiration and even the applause of the people. Does this strike you that he's dealing with the same thing over and over again? That's true. But if you've been following closely, as we've looked at the Sermon of the Mount, you may remember earlier that Jesus said this, Let your light So shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Mm, So what's wrong with letting your good works be seen? Jesus actually seems to be suggesting that that's okay. So how do we reconcile this earlier verse he spoke just a few verses ago in Matthew 5.16 with what he's saying now in Matthew 6 verse 1? Well, the answer is in the very next verse. When he says, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, 
as the hypocrites do, and in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honoured by others, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So what Jesus is getting at here is that you should not be doing this in a way that others see. Again, it's the motive. It's always the motive. It's always about internal righteousness, about doing things for an external show for the benefit of the other, of others. If you do these things for the approval of other people, well, frankly, this passage tells us that you have will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And Jesus says, if you give the wrong way, which is using the wrong motives, then no reward from your Father. It shouldn't mean doing this as a way to garner praise of other people. The great Victorian preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, there is no reward from God to those who seek it from men. So Jesus says in verse 2, when you do a charitable work or give or deeds, don't sound your own trumpet before you do it as the hypocrites do. So his great conclusion is, don't do it like a hypocrite. Now the Greek word translated hypocrite actually started out being a perfectly good word. It meant to play a part and was used of being an actor. However, eventually over time, it came to be used in the bad sense of playing a part to cover up your bad motives. And that's what Jesus is addressing here. He's talking about being a hypocrite because they're doing something that looks like they're good when inside they really have impure motivations. Now, I think there's something I just need to clarify at this point. I'll just pause and say that just because somebody feels or somebody falls, or even somebody falls into sin, it doesn't necessarily mean they're hypocrites. I think we sometimes, some people, think people, or any Christian who falls into a sin, is in fact being hypocritical. And that's not always the place. I came up with a statement that I think expresses this very well, and I quote, A hypocrite is not a person who falls short of his own standards, or who occasionally sins. Because all of us experience these failures in life, a hypocrite is someone who deliberately uses religion to cover up his sins and promote his own gains. By the way, just a quick note, if you're new to this, there's always a transcript of each and every podcast text, roughly what I say, and all the references of any quotations I give and creditation is given in there. Anyway, so Jesus here is talking about hypocrites, not just because their people have failed, but because they're deliberately using their religious deeds and practices to cover up their rotten motivations. Notice he also says, when he calls them hypocrites, he says, do not sign the trumpet as the hypocrites do, in the synagogues and in the streets. So what does it mean to sound the trumpet? Well, some take that figuratively to mean nothing more than being ostentatious, to get the attention of people. But it seems to me that when you read around the Bible commentaries on this, that Jesus is using it literally because he's saying they're doing it in the synagogues. So there must be a way in which they're doing it, which I've just described to you. But he also mentions that they're doing it in the streets. So that these hypocrites were deliberately going out of the way to do something in front of people to get their approval, attention and their applause. 
So as well as the stuff I mentioned in the temple, I also read one commentary that said that during a time of drought, the religious leaders would blow a horn and the people would assemble in the square and they would pray. They would pray for rain and for a good crop. But then, of course, some people, hypocritical people, started to carry their own trumpet and they would go out in the street and they would blow it before generally playing, thus ensuring that people would come out of their homes, onto their balconies, etc., and that they would see them pray. We actually still today talk about someone blowing their own trumpet, blowing their own horn. And I wonder if this is where this came from. It seems very likely to me. At any rate, that's what Jesus is saying here. I believe that this isn't just figurative, that there was this describing real events and real false practices. So here's my conclusion on what Jesus is saying here. Don't do it like the hypocrites. Don't do it because it's going to be seen by people. And of course the illustration is don't blow your own horn. Now it's interesting to me that in this day and age, celebrities nowadays, they really do show off by publicly demonstrating how much they give or what causes they support. And even things like just giving pages, they publicly display the amount of everybody's contribution and how they compare to other people and what they give. I'm going to read you a statement written in 1909 at the dawn of the 20th century as a scholar in England lamented uh, about something which I suppose in his day was the beginnings of the advertising age, but in our days is probably absolutely exemplified by social media on how it is used, so it's become so much worse. He said this, and I quote, In this advertising age, a man hardly needs to sound his own trumpet because there are so many who are already sounding it for him for payment. The essence of false righteousness is what we would today call virtue signaling. And that's the point of these opening passages of chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. So let me repeat, it's wrong. It's a wrong righteousness, a false righteousness, a fake righteousness, and that is doing things, maybe even good things and right things, but doing them with the wrong motives, when the main motivation is to be seen by others. All right, if that's the case, what is the right way to do this sort of thing? What is the real and proper way, the way that will mean we will be doing it with the right motivations. What is the real righteousness that we are seeking here? Now, as I'm sure you can anticipate, that's what I'm going to talk about next. But we'll do that next time. Okay, friends, thank you so much for joining me. What a pleasure and a privilege it is to spend this time together wrestling with the Bible, the text, the Word of God, and what it says and what it can teach us. I do hope you're benefiting from it. I do know that I am being blessed and benefiting from spending the time in preparing these messages. Everything I do is always copyright free and in the public domain. And the place where you can access not only the transcript of what I've said today, but also other ways and other links through which you can connect to my, my teaching and my ministry is through where this podcast, the Bible Project podcast, is hosted. And that's on buzzsprout.com, the podcast website. 
and the web address for that is in the episode notes, but it's thebibleproject.buzzsprite.com. And in there, you'll not only find the transcript, but you'll find links to all sorts of other places. A place where I put a bi-weekly compilation episode of the teaching I've been doing, and also some links to other places where I put more formal, structured, discipleship-type teaching courses. At the minute, there's a series of 12 30-minute videos going on on helping new people who are being called to maybe speak or teach, help them prepare messages, sermons, that sort of thing. So have a look there. They're free, a point of access to everyone. You'll find them on my Patreon page and on my LinkedIn page. But there's also my YouTube channel where there is access to the complete back catalogue of all the teaching. Now it's in its early stages here, but as this project expands and progresses, that's the place where the audio files will be hosted and put into playlists so you can find things more easily, either by individual books of the Bible or by themes. Because of course, as these episodes go on and on, we're up to over 400 now, it will be harder and harder for you to find individual episodes and teaching because on the actual podcast website you'll have to scroll back through hundreds and hundreds of episodes where the YouTube channel with its playlist system will enable I trust you to find things more easily there. Now there are some videos there but the videos that mainly are there are just the audio files backed up with a template of the texts that are being taught. So I hope you find those helpful. But also there, there are links to other ways that you can connect to my ministry. Even talks that I do occasionally in secular environments, sometimes they appear here as a bonus episode, but usually they appear on my LinkedIn or my my, uh, Facebook page or things like that. So check that out and find ways in which you can connect with me and this teaching. And finally, if you are enjoying this, please consider sharing it on the places that you exist on social media and other than that. I'm told that's the best way that more and more people can see this and more and more people can make the decision to try and let the study of the scriptures, the Bible, impact their lives on a daily basis. But thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure and a privilege to be part of this community, thousands of us together working through the text of the Bible day by day. And I do hope you'll stick with us and that you will join us very soon. It'll be tomorrow for me, but whatever day it happens to be for you, I'll see you right back here again very soon on the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye-bye for now.